I had a conversation with someone once, someone who at the time I trusted. In this conversation, I was explaining what it was like to live with panic attacks and the resulting fatigue. It's debilitating at times, and if you've ever experienced them, I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. This friend, in response, told me that I was living with a victim mentality and needed to just get over it. That needing help for those things was codependency. Yeah, I know. (laughs) The conversation ended, and I never brought this up to her again. I knew that she was not someone who could hold space for the reality of my life, not just the highlight reel. And that's totally okay. Not everyone needs the real version of me. They can have the highlight reel. That's what Facebook is for. But that same month, someone else also told me that I was codependent. And I'm not going to lie, this time it hurt. These ideas really challenged me, even though neither person was speaking in support or in kindness. Their words still had a big impact over me. I lost a lot of confidence in myself, and I really questioned if that was true, what kind of value I was able to actually give to relationships. So, I've never seen myself as codependent, most of us don't. I didn't even know what it really meant, just that it was used to describe someone negatively or as needy. So I went on a journey of self-discovery, and if you've ever questioned if you are codependent or been called that, this episode is for you. Hey, I'm Anna Beth, a certified trauma recovery coach and host of the Safe Haven Parenting Podcast. I help single parents who've experienced a relationship that costs them their safety or sanity find healing and learn to break the trauma cycle for their own children. In today's episode, we are going to do a deep dive into the topic of codependency and what's commonly missing when we talk about this issue. So I am not one to ignore feedback especially when it's coming from people that I've let into my inner circle (laughs) of friendship. And so when I started getting this for a second time, I went, oh, crap, maybe there's something to this. Let's look into it. And even if I come off defensive at first or abrasive, I always come back to look at it objectively. And this time was no different. I don't really care if I was wrong or if they were wrong. What I care about is where I can improve. And if they were wrong, I would lose nothing by learning more and growing as a person. I would still benefit from that. And if they were right, then I could start to fix it and start that healing process to repair whatever happened in the relationship, which is important to me. But what I learned and what I want to share with you today is that it is not codependency to ask for care or support. It is normal. It is healthy. It is a trauma response to try and manage independently on your own or to expect that of others. 
We are social beings and we need care and support. And we have had thousands of years of living within like close-knit villages and communities, living life together. The modern day colonialized version of humanity within Western cultures was not to our benefit. If you have been labeled as codependent for seeking support or for struggling with mental health or for needing accommodation due to disability, physical or mental, know that it's often a cover up for I'm uncomfortable with how hard your life is and not actually an accurate reflection of you. So what is codependency? Let's get into that for a hot minute, and I'll circle back to this whole, like, community care thing. Many trauma survivors struggle with codependency. It's a normal after effect. Usually, it comes down to, at some point in our life, we experienced that we were valued and safe when we were useful. And having as little needs as possible gave us that value to someone and kept us safe from that someone. And those were good needs. Like, we have to be valued and safe. We needed love, and maybe we only felt loved when we kept the peace. But through that, maybe we never learned how to identify our own needs or our own feelings So we seek out other people to fill a need we don't even know how to identify. Or we've never learned to be okay when we feel uncomfortable. So we avoid the hard things altogether. Often people who struggle with this after effect of trauma only feel loved when they feel useful or needed. And when they can maintain high levels of control in the relationship. Emotionally, often people who struggle with codependency feel like they're worthless, like they can't make a mistake, they judge themselves harshly, and they base their worth on what other people think and feel about them, and then struggle to set boundaries or meet deadlines or prioritize tasks. If you're mentally hearing this going, oh, that's me, that's me, hey, that's me too, know that you're not alone there. You're likely not even in the minority there. These things often lead to fierce loyalty, even when you're not in a safe relationship. You might put your own needs last. You might avoid conflict or hard conversations to protect yourself from rejection, anger, or difficulty. You might follow the crowd to keep the peace or avoid the crowd altogether so you don't have to bother. You may even see yourself as above the crowd, like you're at a level they just haven't reached. You may accept sexual advances, even when you don't want them, to feel needed or approved or even to avoid that conflict. You often become a chameleon to fit into whatever box people want to put you in. Or you only allow a tiny bit of yourself to be seen. No one really knows you, just the front you put out to be tolerated, liked, or accepted. This can range from a firm, I am who I am and I don't care if you like me or not, 
to I can be whoever you need me to be to be accepted here. Both often result in no close relationships at all or not being able to sustain them when you do have them. People who struggle with codependency often need to feel needed to feel like they have internal value or purpose. And if they don't feel needed, they may feel like you don't want a relationship with them or that they don't feel wanted by you. They often jump in to take care of others, feeling like they can't take care of themselves or they need your help to get it right. The classic, you're loading the dishwasher wrong, is a silly, relevant example of this. Even never letting the people in your home clean because you can do it better and more efficiently. Or you don't want them to go to the bother. It often even looks like offering advice or trying to micromanage other people. Even when it's not wanted or needed. (laughs) Codependency is meeting needs that aren't yours to meet. Or expecting those around you to meet your needs, no questions asked. During good spells, people who struggle with codependency use charm and charisma to convince people of how caring and compassionate they are. But they also tend to not compromise, be able to collaborate, or take ownership when problems do arise. It's never their fault. They'll use indirect communication or be evasive to avoid conflict or confrontation. And when it finally does surface, it will always be the other person's fault, the other person's choices. That's the problem. They may maintain impossible standards for those around them to meet. They rarely apologize, rarely take ownership, and often use surface-level statements to avoid doing both. Or they're the opposite. They're overly apologetic and will agree or say anything to restore the peace. Both extremes are really normal here, and you may even waffle between the two of them. People who struggle with codependency whose needs aren't being met can slip into blame, shame, using recovery jargon, or pretending compliance to get what they want. People who struggle with codependency often judge others super harshly, and they judge themselves super harshly, and they avoid any kind of intimacy to maintain distance, replacing intimacy with things like Addictions, excessive exercising, gaming, excessive cleaning and organizing, excessive hobbies. Within these cycles, relationships tend to follow this pattern where they like pull someone really close to them and then they freak out and start pushing them away. (laughs) So finally, the last thing I'll touch on here is that people who struggle with codependency struggle with feeling vulnerable. That's often times where that push-pull comes from, where they get close and then realize they have to be vulnerable and then they push them away again. So they don't have to be vulnerable. They'll suppress feelings and needs to avoid that discomfort and then transfer that into a statement like, emotions are a sign of weakness. I don't do drama, or an adherence to toxic positivity. Now, 
I really, really want to highlight here that these are coping mechanisms to create safety. Every single one of them. They were needed at some point to feel loved and wanted. And it's unfair to look at all of this and view it negatively instead of exactly what it is. A response to relational trauma. If you fit this broad overview, it may be tempting to invite shame and blame of yourself into this mix. But none of these things are a moral failing on your part. If you listen to this and go, whoa, these are all like me. Know that you're completely capable of having and sustaining healthy relationships. The first step is just recognizing that these patterns have or are happening. The second thing to do is to remind yourself of the good things you bring to a relationship. Because you do. You know what fixes codependency? Trauma recovery. Healing. Learning to be vulnerable. Learning that you are valuable and worthy because of who you are, not because of what you can do for others. Codependency doesn't happen because you're a bad person or a failure of a person, but because you experienced relational harm at some point in your life. And recovering from that is totally realistic and doable. Healing is possible. Codependence Anonymous may be helpful to you or just reaching out to your mental health care provider. This podcast is not here to diagnose your codependency. I don't have the qualifications. I don't even want to have the qualifications to do diagnostics. But what I am here for is to hold space for this process and bring a light to it. I'm going to circle back to this idea of community support now. Here's what the conversation around codependency is often missing. What's missing is that we need community to thrive. We need people to thrive. Yes, codependency can damage relationships. If you're listening to this, maybe you yourself have been hurt by someone who struggles with codependency. But it's often used to identify a need for care, not actual codependence. If you need help, well, obviously you're just codependent. You struggling with mental health? Well, obviously you're just codependent. You need connection? Jeez, stop being so codependent. Insert eye roll. (laughs) It's used to dismiss discount and vilify real human needs for connection and community. And see, that's what labels often do. Labels do one of two things. They either help open the door to resources, support, and healing, or they're used to gaslight. And it's usually one or the other. And you can look at if a label is being used for you, if it's being used to gaslight you, or if it's being used because you're looking for support. That's important. See, humans need something called interdependence to thrive. If you think of it like a river, 
with one riverbank being codependence and the other riverbank being independence, with the water flowing between them being interdependence. Interdependence is the goal to create long-term, sustained, healthy relationships. Can I get a hallelujah? We all want that, hey? Interdependence looks like mutuality. It's two or more people together with the goal of safety, connection, and collaboration. It's believing that people are capable while balancing that we all need help sometimes and aren't meant to go through life alone. It makes space for the after effects of trauma as well as room for growing. It believes our worth is about who we are as a person not our performance. It makes space for mistakes and human variances. It is not about perfection. It allows emotions without judgment or expectation. It offers support free of expectation. It normalizes that differences are bridged through open communication. It does not expect someone to guess at their wants or needs. It believes the best about each other. It has realistic standards and goals that set mutually together. Everyone's needs are seen as important and valid. It accommodates for neurodiversity or physical diversity, and it supports each other's growth. I could do an entire episode just about interdependency and what to create within your relationships. But this is just a good starting point. And this is also a really great thing that you can model with and for your kids. The beautiful thing about interdependency is that it removes power and control dynamics, which often keep relationships from thriving. It instead evens the playing field and says that we are all equal here, all valuable here, and we all have our own strengths to offer and our own weaknesses to grow. That's normal, that's human, that's beautiful. The thing that we ourselves are independently responsible for, where independence comes in, are our reactions, our emotions, and our perceptions. That's where independence is important not in toughing it out alone because it feels safer or expecting others to do that, but in taking ownership of our experiences, our feelings, and how we respond to them. I hope this episode brought clarity and insight into this topic. It's a really important one. I hope you find interdependence and mutuality in your relationships. Hey, before you leave, I'd love it if you'd hit that subscribe button and leave me a thumbs up or a rating. Light and love to you, and I'll see you next time.